You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I'm your host, John Bush, and we have a great program lined up for you today. We're going to be joined by Richard Grove of Autonomy, Autonomy Unlimited, the uh, Grand Theft World podcast. Got this as a gift from Richard at Porkfest. It was great to spend some time with him. We're going to be up there again this year, or 2022. Take a sip of some of my Kratom real quick. Ah, it's good stuff. But Richard, I've known about him for, for quite some time, since the 9-11 Truth days. And he has a, a really grand body of work, whether it's exposing people to false flag terrorism or this global conspiracy to create a totalitarian world or the work that he's done with John Taylor Gatto, which I think is really impressive. We'll definitely get into that. But on top of that, he's really focused on success for himself and just watching the guy and his family and the group and of people that he surrounds himself with. I'd say he's done pretty good at success. He's a pretty successful guy. And he has dedicated his life these days to helping others to find success, whether it's success in relationships with your team, with your significant other, Success in business, entrepreneurship, marketing, the financial life. And then the cool thing about Richard and a lot of folks that we do business with and that we uh, associate with and coalesce with is that he's also concerned with success when it comes to freedom, the pursuit of freedom, which nothing really could be much more important. So we are going to chat with Richard today about what he's been up to. We'll talk about some of the old school days and the work that he did uh, when it comes to 9-11 and all the John Taylor Gatto stuff. And then we're going to spend a considerable amount of time talking about success strategies and tips. And of course, in the show notes, we have some links to the project and the program. It's a membership, really, uh, that he's a big part of autonomy. And they have a marketing thing. And there's a free ebook that they have to offer, 19 skills. We're going to talk all about that with uh, Richard Grove. Let's go ahead and bring him up. Richard, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully well, John. Thanks for asking. And yeah. that, was a, that, was a, that was a very well put together, spontaneous uh, kind of introduction. Thank you for that, those kind, uh, kind words. Yeah, man, I've been following you for a while. So it's great uh, to be your friend now. I, I, I was always impressed with, with the way that you delivered this information, right? Because there's all these folks talking about the conspiracy and this, that, and the other, but the depth of the research that you do and then the authoritative delivery to where folks that are skeptical or normally think the kind of stuff we talk about is kooky, that it's really hard for them to, uh, to leave a conversation or one of your lectures from that. So always appreciated that. Uh, why don't you share how you got started? Because you've been at this for quite some time. I got started because <clears throat> I thought these things were kooky. I didn't take them seriously. Like uh, when I first encountered any type of conspiratorial uh, ideas, they just bounced off me before I had real world experience to appreciate what was really going on. And I think some of the, the lack of ability for people to articulate that, which is actually there is off putting to a lot of people because like when I first had to start looking to the internet uh, for, you know, what exists that's real, that has influence in the world that I'm not taught about in school, that I'm not exposed to in the corporate world, right? And working from, you know, uh, a nice office and a nice building in New York City and making a lot of money back in the day, practicing a high value skill, I didn't have room in my life for nonsense about lizard people or whatever people were talking about, harp, you know, I was like, how does that affect us, right? But when I did get into some life experiences where I, I needed to find what is the actual and factual information, and I would read like a web page saying that there's this Rothschild family and they're very influential, and I, it would just bounce off me. I was like, that can't exist. 
it didn't fit in my reality. Like that, that family can't exist because I've got five years of a good school. I have a university degree. I'm making good money in the corporate world. So if Forbes would tell me, the Wall Street Journal would tell me, the New York Times would tell me, one, uh, the Economist would tell me, one of these authoritative sources would be telling me these sort of things. Now come to find out years later, the Economist, that's a controlling interest of the Rothschild family. So is the London School of Economics and all these other places, right? So they, they do exist. They do have a, a lot of influence. It's off the radar. And so then to try to get into what's the other story? What's the meta history to what we're living in right now? Because it doesn't work with checks and balances and three branches of government and you cast your vote and your person goes to represent you. So I went through like this learning phase from 2001 to 2006 that was just, and there was no YouTube, there was no Google video. It was more like, you know, uh, you read some stuff on the internet, you try to get the the primary sources. So you buy some used books, you buy some DVD documentaries off of eBay, because this is where things were transacted back then. And you learn about this other side. One of the DVDs I bought was, um, I bought probably like 50, it was like 50 DVDs documentaries for 50 bucks or something. Right. So one of them was this, uh, DVD produced in the nineties as a VHS cassette. And it was called the brotherhood of darkness. And it was by Dr. Stanley Monteith, who was a dentist from like San Francisco. And he does this presentation and it turns out it's all about Carol Quigley and tragedy and hope and Rothschild and Rhodes and these sort of things. And I was so incredulous when I saw this that I was like, I got to look this up. I got to look this stuff up. And it's actually way worse than what he was describing. These are real things. And they really wrote these things down and they do exist as evidence and artifacts. So I spent a lot of time just collecting the evidence and artifacts of the Anglo-American establishment, globalism, new world order, whatever you want to call it. There's a, it's a finite planet. There's only so many people trying to do this. They go by different names, but it's generally the same coterie. And it's definitely the same working groups that we see today running the great, great reset, uh, Klaus Schwab, world economic forum, club of Rome, CFR, all these groups are in the working image of the last will and testament of Cecil Rhodes. So in getting into all this history and, page 52 or 56 of tragedy and hope by carol quickly talks about the rothschild family so then i started to encounter well here's this very well esteemed professor at georgetown university's school of foreign service who mentored bill clinton to become a Rhodes scholar and was trained by a Rhodes scholar himself telling this story that there's a lot more to it and so then i started to started to study all the people involved in the story it'll break down what is the general grammar what are the individual parts of this globalist endeavor and how far does it go back and for the meaningful english speaking part of it it's like the last 120 years that they've codified this and worked to bring america back into the british empire quietly so that they could use america as like a property management firm for the British empire around the world. That's why we have all these bases and to use America as like um, the food to sustain the globalism growing up. Right. So it's like this, they want to birth this new thing and they're going to feed off of America in order to create it. And I think that's kind of evident in the last couple of years, we've seen that go on to a large extent uh, with the, the, the plague pandemic situation. Yeah. It's only accelerated. Mm. So, you know, one thing I like to, play on when I give talks and, and try to put things in perspective for people is these globalists, deep state, we used to commonly refer to it as the shadow government, right? And now it's the deep state or whatever. It's all sorts of different names. But like you said, there's this this uh, lineage, right? There's like a genealogy to it. It all traces back to the Cecil Rhodes and the Milner Group and all that stuff. So these guys have this really big picture vision and they're able to project into the future strategically, whereas mm. most people, even activists, libertarians, I mean, libertarian party folks are focused on the next LNC meeting or the next convention. And then, you know, if people are involved in politics, they care about the next four year cycle or whatever. And then a lot of people are just so focused on eking by to earn a living. They, yeah. like you were saying, like folks are just focused in the present moment, trying to get that next paycheck or pay next month's rent. How important is it for people, for the success of their own lives, but then also collectively as a liberty movement for our success to actually create real freedom, how important is is it for us to follow the lead of these elite and adopt like a big picture, multi-generational view when it comes to our goals and our plans? Well, I think it's important that if they're using a larger meta mindset, call it multi-generationalism, 
to to rule the game. And then they make our attention spans like five seconds for most people. That's the average. It's like the that of a goldfish. So they're working on plans that are decades in the very least, hundreds of years at the very most, that they can be effective through two or three generations. And there's a lot of historical precedents of various families uh, that are still in power making their way forward like that. So I think it's important that we need to start thinking about not just right now, but also what's the future? What's the next generation? What do we leave behind? What's our legacy, right? The, the battle that's going on, it was going on before we were born. It's going to continue to battle on after we leave here but we can bring it down a few notches. The reason we were at disadvantage is because many of us went through our most of our lives without understanding what is the true ruling power of this place? What is globalism? Who are these people? They can be easily named and organized and understood, but most people are blocked by conspiracy theory. That phrase that the CIA put out in the CIA memo 1035-960 concerning criticism of the Warren Commission report, right? So everyone who uses that as their intellectual defense they're intellectually bankrupt. You're doing the CIA's work. The question should be, I'd like to see the evidence. Let's go deeper. Let's see if this is a real thing. And when you start to look, there's more there than is imagined to not be there. So the people who imagined, so there's a Dunning-Kruger effect. So the uh, incompetent people can't recognize their own incompetence. So uh, David Dunning and Justin Kruger did this study about 20 years ago, and it just shows that the more incompetent people are, the more certain they are of their beliefs and views, and they will throw out terms like conspiracy theories. Whereas people who have been wrong more times than they'd like to admit over the years that in order to get here, right? I've been incredulous at almost every major decision or turning point in the past 20 years. And I got to the other side because I said, I'm incredulous. So I'm going to look this up. And does that Woodrow Wilson quote really exist where he says this? No, it doesn't. But it's an amalgamation of eight pages of him ranting like that. And somebody summarized and distilled it. And then people debunked that saying he didn't say that. He said a whole lot more than that. So you actually get into, if you know, uh, when you look at the history, you see that there has to be multi-generational learning going on on our side as well to preserve freedom. Because the attack against freedom, let's say it starts in... 1908 with the Carnegie uh, Endowment and the Peace Foundation where there's at their annual meetings saying, how do we crack America? How do we take control of the government, the statecraft, influence the schools and and basically take it over and internationalize it? Because that was Carnegie's goal. He wanted new world order. He wrote about it in Triumphant Democracy 19, I'm sorry, 1893. I have a first edition of it. I've read it. So when these guys, these robber barons, these people who came to power, uh, in a in a way that could only be organized internationally, right? They were the railroad industry. It wasn't just in America; it was in Europe. And then, when they were done with Europe and America, they went to the Soviet Union, or what was the so? Yeah, it was Soviet Union when they did it, and China, and built the infrastructure for the communists in the first place, right? So when you start to get into that, you you see as an individual, I got to catch up with what's going on. But that's only so much of it. How do we survive and thrive and insulate ourselves from that system that may never go away? It seems like the entirety of human history is people trying to become free of other people's subjugation. And if you go back and look at the first use of the word freedom in the cuneiform, I argue that it, they didn't need a word for that which existed openly and freely before someone came along and took it away. So it was really the first time they needed freedom was when they became subjugated by somebody else and, and became enslaved. And they're like, we need a word to represent what we just lost. And so from these aspects, looking at it as, You can't just sit around and watch Sunday football or hockey or basketball or baseball or any of these sort of things as a responsible adult, because there's other other games that are much bigger, that are real, that are being played on us and our families while they give us bread and circuses and universal basic income checks while they're stealing not only our present, but our children's future and our grandchildren's future by indenturing them to money that they're stealing straight out the gate. You've seen the largest wealth transfer in history. I argue about $20 trillion has been transferred from us to them, the, the globalist elite in the past two years. Between the the closure of independent businesses and the prop Amazons and Walmarts and places like this to them, uh, you know, knowing ahead of time and selling stocks to them, writing checks in our names and just taking it and handing it out to their friends to all the other things that they're going to do before they call this thing done 
it's never going back to normal if you let them have their way. And you can know that for sure by going back and reading their plans for the past 20 years of lockstep and DCDC strategic trends for 2020 to 2050. And like these people have planned out what they're doing right now to the nth degree. They've had war games, they've practiced it, and they know our reactions to a greater degree. What they don't, what they don't know and what they can't estimate this is where they're underestimating us, is the individuals of power to self-rely through learning high-value skills to make offers to the market, to change the world, to bring curiosity, to invention, to innovation, to improving other people's lives in ways that the globalist can't plan or can't see because they don't understand freedom or agorism or how it grows in the first place. So they're going to have a very hard hard time destroying completely that which they don't understand. And that is our true advantage, which is why I'm white-pilled and I can think forward and say future generations need to be empowered as well as the people right now. Heck yeah. Yeah, well said for sure. Uh, it, you know, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance, and this will be a struggle that our children, our grandchildren inherit. So one of the things that's absolutely critical if we are to adopt this same multi-generational larger worldview or strategy uh, is our children's education, not just our children, like my kids or your kids, but a- as a movement, as a network of, of free people, uh, the next generation and the education they receive is absolutely critical and in many ways, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So all this lockdown nonsense and COVID mandates and stuff really created a huge swell of homeschooling and unschooling and alternative private schools. So, you know, I've always pointed to public education or government schooling, as I like to call it, or the indoctrination centers as uh, one of the big reasons why so many people will so easily go along to get along and not challenge the status quo or they're seemingly incapable of even thinking outside the box in the least bit and they're like automatons that just go about life eking out this miserable subsistence existence um maybe they're not miserable ignorance is bliss after all can you share the role that the public education system throughout the united states played in creating the environment that we find ourselves in today and maybe some of the influences for this internationalism. And I'd love it if you could relate the work of John Taylor Gatto uh, as you share that with us. I think the phrase you're looking for is people are comfortable in their quiet desperation. All right. So to tell the story that I can uh, relay the short form here for anyone watching live, and then I'm going to point you to the reference. It would be the ultimate history lesson. I'm sorry. You can't see that. Boom. The Ultimate History Lesson with John Taylor Gatto, which is this this fellow right here. So if you don't know John Taylor Gatto, let's meet him right there. There he is. The Ultimate History Lesson. This is a DVD set that I produced with John in a weekend. It was July 4th, 2011. It's a five-hour journey uh, filmed over two days where he gives you like the download. He's written a whole bunch of books on the history of schooling. In fact, he calls it the the prison of modern schooling. So his his seminal work is um, dumbing us down. I think that's 1991 or 1992. Gatto was the New York State and New York City School Teacher of the Year, and they wondered, they were amazed that how could this guy, you know, bring these kids and bring them up to such high academic levels? Well, the truth was he wasn't doing anything that the school was prescribing. He had his own curriculum for these kids. He was empowering them with autonomy in many senses. So. Part of what he did was recognize that any individual has genius inside them. If you know how to bring bring it out through questions and actions, you can make strong people for the future systematically. But that's not what the school system was about. And then he was trying to figure out, could he fix the school system from inside it? And then he figured out, no, the system produces exactly what they want. Interchangeable people for a world made of interchangeable parts. So the idea is that interchangeable parts lead to interchangeable people and the need for corporations to have workers coming through college. This is implemented in the 1800s and goes into effect into the mid 1900s. And it's still kind of substantial. And then it kind of wanes and dwindles off. And there's no longer a connection between going to college, for instance, and really becoming successful and thriving in the world. And college doesn't really teach you how to have your own business and be self-reliant. Neither does high school. So we're all, all these things were adding up. So then he starts doing his body of research and, and putting it out. So dumbing us down was his first book. And then uh, his big book is called uh, the underground history of American education. 
this book. We might have to zoom out to get that like this. And this book uh, is currently in a reprint stage. So it's, it's broken up into parts. And so you can find like part one of the new one. And the first edition here is pretty hard to get. The Underground History of American Education. Uh, let's see. An intimate investigation into the prison of modern schooling. So I first got to this book and it's a big, thick book with huge pages full of text. And I got to this book in like 2004 during my wake up journey and it bounced off me because I didn't have enough context to understand partially because I had been through schooling and hadn't learned how to think and analyze and come to facts for my own. Right. So that, that aspect. So then I kept doing research and, and reading all these books that are in this library and that library over there and the one upstairs. And I come back and I read this book around 2008. And then I understand what a masterpiece this book is and how, how much value is, uh, in, is in here. And specifically to today and what's going on, chapter nine, the cult of scientific management. If you want to know, like, how does Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the Davos and Club of Rome and depopulation agenda, how did it gain speed? Right here in this chapter, you can read about, uh, let's see, uh, Bertrand, Bertrand Russell. <laughs> These Fabian socialists, H.G. Wells, all these other people that are part of the actual globalist movement today, New World Order. I mean, H.G. Wells wrote a 1939 book called New World Order. Gatto takes that history and makes it consumable. And so I had watched everything that he had on the Internet, audio, video, whatever was out there, I consumed it. And what I noticed was here's this brilliant man with this really valuable insight and nobody is getting clear audio. It's always a bad mic, lots of room noise situation or clear HD video. So over a period of six months, I tried and tried and tried again to get in touch with him. And finally he called me and uh, he booked uh, a date and we got him a flight and we got him a hotel room and we brought him up here and I had friends come in. And some of the friends that filmed on this project, I taught them on the scene, many of them. And there's a lot of cinematography type of editing errors or, you know, uh, in, in camera editing from the production. So I spent like six months refining it and making and, and, and polishing it to get to be its, uh, the best representation of John. What I didn't know during that process was two weeks after we filmed with John, he had a stroke. So he had been in the hospital the whole time that we were working on the end of the movie. And at that Christmas, I sent him the finished product. I sent him 50 copies to his farm. I sent 50 copies to his apartment. I never heard back from him. I thought he didn't like it. But he was in rehab, had no communication with the outside world. So about a year later, we get together. He loved the movie. Uh, we started uh, bonding. We'd go there like every six or eight weeks. I'd take him for haircuts. We took him for dentures. I, I, when he couldn't any longer go out for haircuts, I'd uh, go there and bring my clippers and would talk. And I'd cut his hair. So an amazing talent. And uh, he departed us a couple years, two, two or three years ago uh, now. So... This is really his uh, his swan song. He got to say he got uninterrupted, say whatever he wanted to say to people in the present and the future about the origins, the purpose, the history of the school system, how it's not your friend. And really, without this body of knowledge, I wouldn't have been able to take and add the entrepreneurial solutions to it to create the autonomy course. But the first couple of weeks of autonomy where I'm helping people deprogram themselves, it's really the the seed comes from a lot of the work that he did on the Fabian socialists, the cult of scientific management, how they use programming and behaviorism to control populations, to get people to, to be on stimulus reaction instead of putting a space in there where freedom exists. This is where we ask questions and we go from stimulus thinking to thoughtful response. And that's the difference between slavery and freedom. And so, uh, yeah, we all owe John a debt. And you can see this. You don't have to get it on Amazon where it's probably out of stock. It's on YouTube in its entirety um, um, on my YouTube page, The Ultimate History Lesson. Right on, man. Yeah, it's so critical, the work that he did in exposing government education. And it's really, really cool and honorable that you were able to capture all that info. And um, I appreciate your ability to, like, you have an idea, a project, something that ought to be done something that would add, add value to the world and a lot of people are like we should do this and this is this would be really cool and this would be helpful and they just don't know how to get it done so yeah let's let's talk about the autonomy program and the course and this this community that you've put together because 
I, I took the course. I, I wish I would have participated more, but I got a whole lot out of it. And in fact, I got most the most out of being a part of this community and and uh, building some connections and and networking. And of course, working with y'all's marketing firm as well was immensely valuable. And I'm still working in many capacities with you guys today. But one of the cool things I thought about this autonomy program, which I'd love for you to introduce our listeners to, um, was that it starts off with kind of a de-schooling thing. And everyone's focused on education for the children, like we were talking about earlier. But like you said, there's a lot that we as adults need to unlearn. And many people never learned how to think critically or how to research or how to put together thoughts and how to execute a plan and put together a strategy and all that good stuff. So why don't you share uh, what the autonomy program is all about and, and how it can essentially be, you know, really valuable education for adults. All right, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to pause that idea for a second, and I'm going to go to the need of the audience. There, there's a need right now for homeschooling, right? You were just talking about that. Um, somewhere, and I'm not sure if it's listed yet, but we have an Autonomy Agora Marketplace. So it's marketplace.autonomyagora.com. There's a bunch of courses for people we've produced, including you, John, that's on there. There's a Trivium course on there, but specifically we have a Trivium course aimed at be, parents being able to teach it to the children. To, to the children, uh, to their children. So the idea is instead of children being faced with unknowns, obstacles, fears, these sort of things, and having an ad hoc solution where they may or may not overcome that challenge readily, empower them with a method, a simple method, a three-step method. It's been around for thousands of years and has been used studiously by people who are intellectual to find truth. So it starts with your five common uh, common senses, the, sh the five senses we share in common are the common senses. And we use those to observe the world. Then we identify the individual parts. We understand how they fit together. And then we know how to use that thing or communicate that idea. That simple three-step method can liberate parents and children on this process so that they can direct their focus toward things that are meaningful and substantial and in the line with their goals so that their steps are adding up to something that they can take pride in, that they can have real self-confidence and competence in. So really, it's about training the parents so they, could, they can be better homeschoolers and providing them with curriculum uh, and other tools in those areas where they feel these are the ways that people go forward and survive and thrive. And they're not the STEM things that, you know, are just overly focused and not, not necessarily a practical application in line in the future for that. So that's like the, the homeschooling, helping parents do that sort of thing. And that's something that happens within autonomy. So let's talk about the course. I created the course okay, because, sure. oh yeah, go ahead. Sure. Where can we find that? Cause like, you know, I got all sorts of pride. My kids are homeschooled. They're not in government school. But I tell you what, it is a challenge for me. And, you know, I, I, I generally excel at different areas of my life, but it's been really hard homeschooling my kids, especially my son. So where can we find this? Because I want to get my hands on that as well. All right. So um, the, the site is marketplace.autonomyagora.com. All right. I'll share it there in the comments. Yeah. And then on there, there's a free uh, critical thinking course. And anyone who goes ahead and downloads that, we can add the Trivium for Kids content to that email thread that goes and follows that. So that's the quickest way to, to solve it now. Because I'm not we just talked about it in a meeting earlier today. So I'm not sure that it's posted yet, but yeah. it is ready to be getting posted. Because there's a huge need. And a lot of us are homeschooling. And so uh, sharing these tools isn't a zero-sum game. It's actually uh, you know a multiple-sum game. We can win, win, win. Uh, it doesn't take anything away from my household to share these tools with John's household or your ha your household. That's the idea to empower ourselves now and be the tide that raises all ships. Right on. So okay. now, to, yeah, to answer your question, is that, is that what you're yeah. going for next? Yeah, okay. All right, cool. All right, let's hear about autonomy. I took, I took it from my autonomy mug here. I don't have the Grand Theft World mug with me today. All right, so uh, I was producing content from 2006 to 2015, just putting it out there because I knew it needed to be done. People need to know the history of the New World Order. And I was surviving on uh, – we've had a membership community since 2009 – it's had thousands of members. It's, it's uh, a thriving business, but it's a low, it's $15 a month per person business. So if you as a business have bigger problems to solve, you can't, you don't need uh, a lot of small things. You need a higher ticket item. You need to trans transmit more value to the audience. At the same time, I had people saying they couldn't afford the $15 because they weren't bringing in enough money. And I thought, this is silly. This is a 
instantly resolvable problem. So I created an entrepreneur group within the tragedy and hope community. And I started like teaching on, on the fly in uh, entrepreneur skills. So I had one guy who was a, a friend of ours who had been a subscriber for a long time. And it was right before Christmas. And he said, I just lost my job. And he didn't have any forward outlook. He was, you know, almost feeling like age discrimination could be a thing at his level. So I said, send me your resume. And then I ended up getting him a meeting with a place that hired him because I knew who he worked for and I knew who their competition was. So I was able to call someone on the board of directors of someone who worked at a competitor and say, would you like to hire the guy from marketing at your competitor? They said, yeah, we'll take that meeting. Right. So then I was like, I need to offer this more formally. And I'd been working on a curriculum since Peace Revolution, episode eight. So let's call that uh, 2010. Uh, it was called the Comprehensive Conscious Curriculum. So I'd been putting together a curriculum for five years. I didn't have it all together, but I knew I needed to formulate more off uh, more value to my audience because time was of the essence. They need uh, to know what are the what are the inner workings of how do I build value? How do I make an offer? How do I take it to market? <clears throat> and then how do I do some sort of marketing on top of that to have recurring revenue in my life and not have to have the golden handcuffs of the paycheck, right? That's just one facet of what we teach on autonomy, but it's a very powerful facet. So from the entrepreneur group, I thought I'm going to offer a course. Now I didn't have a I had a course title, autonomy. I didn't have a logo, I didn't have a web page, I didn't have any graphics, I didn't have any marketing. But I had my email list. So I made an offer in text and I thought if I got 10 people to say yes, it would be worth putting the course on. And I had like a 10x return on interest and immediately it was already bigger than I had conceived and going further. And I said, okay. So my plan was I was going to put out the, uh, I was going to record the course material in this studio. Whereas in reality, I do the course live in the other studio behind here. So I was going to pre-record it, edit it, put it out for the members. And that would have been valuable. But there had been no interaction. There had been no dynamic learning. There's a whole bunch of flavor that we didn't have there yet. And then my business partner today, Joshua Hale, he came to me as a student in season one of Autonomy before I even gave the course. He said, hey, I'm really excited about the course. How are you going to present it? And I told him my lame idea, which I thought was pretty good at the time. I didn't have a better idea. I thought this is a really good idea. It's going to work. And he said, let me show you this course infrastructure kind of curriculum, you know, uh, warehouse that he uses for other clients because he had a marketing company and he showed me their dashboards. And I was like, I want that. How do we make that happen in the next 30 days? Because I'm teaching this course. I'm starting in January. So we put it together. And <clears throat> also, I had recognized the value of discord. Uh, my buddy, James Pilato, he had a Discord server. Liberty Radio Network had a Discord server. I was like, what are these things? How do they use them? How do they get value to the audience through these things? And then I thought I could use Discord as a teaching dojo. I could have people in there in a, you know real-time dynamic. And I said, if I put this piece with the course, I, I know he's probably cringing right now. He's like, don't tell people how we do it. No, we had this communication piece. And we had this education piece. And then I have this other couple pieces that I put into the curriculum. And then I thought that's a really strong offering. So then I went through the 2000 index cards that I had made for the curriculum. And I started putting them into PowerPoint slides each week as I taught the course. So uh, I did one week ahead of time. So week one, I was doing week two slides, but I was doing week one presentation. So I would stay ahead of myself a week. And that's how we did the first season. Now, during that, I add integration exercises. So the format is I do the lectures in the other studio, uh, nine o'clock Friday night, Eastern time till two or three a.m. in the morning, Saturday, because the lecture takes several hours. And then there's people from around the world who were there and they paid good money and they want to get their questions and they want to get their answers. So I'll stay up as late as it takes. And some, I think the latest we've gone to like five 30 in the morning one time, but <laughs> I, I do whatever it, it takes. It's like, for me, freedom is a super marathon. It's not a sprint. So I'm into long form content, long form learning experiences. Cause I know from the past, that's how I got the skills out of college that put me apart from everyone else that I went to college with. Like I, we could talk about that in a second. That's a, that's a good segue as well as to where this course comes from, but I'll just finish explaining how I deliver. So I do that. And then on Saturday afternoon, there's a podcast that the students and graduates participate in so that we have our own kind of internal podcast called do it live. And then they can get real time interaction, live stream skills, shadow hosting, hosting, co-hosting, being part of the audience that asks questions, right? They get all that on. Sunday from noon to four o'clock, I do a question and answer session with students in here based on what they learned on Friday and they have a chance to watch the replay. 
And then uh, during the week, we have integration exercises. So I teach you chunks of skills that add up to a stack of skills. And we start that in week three, and it continues through the end of the course. And the first skill set is how to do an interview. Not just like this, but like in life, if you had to do a job interview, if you're meeting a new person, like how to meet people, basically, how to make friends and influence people. And you do that by making contact, building rapport, doing a lot of good listening, coming up with a better plan than they had, and then making a plan to go forward, right? Oh, that's actually, that's actually the whole art of sales stack, right? But it starts with having a conversation. And then if that conversation has a problem in it and you help them solve it, that's a place where uh, action flows from that. Let's call that a sale right? Because the way I teach sales is problem solving. It's not pushing, con convincing, conniving, persuading. It's none of those things that are cringeworthy. It's just about real clear communication, real clear priorities and where we're going next, helping people meet their goals. And money follows that. You don't have to chase it as a sale or close people. You just do this other thing, disconnect that. And it usually just follows, right? So we go through the course, but I teach about, yeah, the first couple of weeks are deprogramming. And then uh, we get into the sales skills, the marketing skills, the uh, tech stack that we offer to clients on the other side at Autonomy Unlimited, the digital consulting company. And then um, students like yourself who didn't get like the most they could have the first time through because you're a busy entrepreneur, right? I structured the course so that you can go through it live or you can go through it on replays and it's lifetime enrollment. So just go hang out in season seven and get your networking on because that's the most valuable part for all the students. Like my curriculum is solid. The exercises are amazing, but everyone getting to meet each other and make friends long-term where it's not blocked by paywalls. So you make a friend in season one, you'd be in season seven. You still got that friend. They're still there because there's no paywall for them. They already paid their it's lifetime membership. Cool things happen. New projects get staffed, opportunities and jobs and all these sort of things. That's where it happens in a community. So it's a multi-layer approach to solve a complex problem, but it took them 15,000 hours to convince us that which is not true. The process of liberation is a lot shorter. It's like 1% of that time. Yeah. Yeah. The whole liberation and freedom and it's like the natural order, the natural law, like you were saying with the genesis of the term freedom, they didn't have to have a word for that because that's just the state of being. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate that the course, it, it has a whole lot of value to it. And it resonates with me when you share that you had a membership program before for $15 a month. And there were people that couldn't afford that there. There's this tendency in the truth and freedom, Liberty community uh, towards poverty. I mean, I don't think yeah. it's everyone or a majority, but it's most definitely there. And as an entrepreneur and someone offering products uh, myself and workshops and online education, there's a lot of people that push back at the thought of charging for something, right? As though they uh, they believe that we should be impoverished ourselves because we care about freedom and we should just be the impoverished activists, which I did for many years. I did too. I did my time. Yeah. And then I had kids and was like, I can't have the electricity getting turned off on my kids anymore. This is just not going to work. I got to figure this entrepreneurial thing out. And it took like, I don't know, eight or 10 years, but I think I finally figured it out. And, and I'm always learning as well. But you know, uh, in your experience, this is my experience. So let me know if, if, if you uh, have the same experience. I'm sure you do. Maybe you can riff on it. I find that when you give something away for free, people just don't tend to value it as much as they would if they paid for it. For example, we did this Exit and Build Land Summit recently, and the Saturday Summit was entirely free. Anybody could watch. Anyone can tune in. In fact, around 24,000 people registered for the free event. Now, there was a handful of people that also paid for day two and to get access to the day one and day two recordings. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, at any given time on day one, there was only about 5% of the people that registered that were watching live. Contrast that with the folks that paid just $97, which I guess is a lot to some people, but compared to the value we delivered, it's, it's very small there was about 50% of the people that were watching, the people that paid. So is this something that uh, you experience in your world? And can you kind of talk about when people pay, there's just this added commitment to themselves that they place on this stuff? Yeah, the rule is the more people pay, the more they're going to pay attention. The people who paid for your 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 meeting, uh, your meetup, they set reminders. They put it in their calendar. You don't do that with free stuff. And you get what you pay for. So if it's free, there's probably, it's just a meeting for an offer. 
So why not just give the offer and ask for the money in the exchange? Because the way I teach people to structure offers is if your offer is worth 10 times more than you're asking for it, you're going to have no problem finding clients, planning to find clients that's marketing so you can keep your business going in the future. But when you when you have the ratios out of whack, nothing's going to balance and you're going to think it's just you or things don't work. But when you put the ratios in balance, everything seems to flow. The other thing I would point out is uh, it's the Pareto principle of 80-20. 20% of the people who keep you in business, John, uh, you know, spend 80% of the money. And then there's 80% that spend 20% of the money in your business, right? So there's there's clients that almost cost money. And then there's clients that pay for themselves over and over again and let you expand and deliver high quality feature functionality services and products into the future. Which one do you want to work with? And the people that don't know any better, they go bargain basement. Let's try to compete with the market of the cheapest price and these sort of things. Instead of saying, I'm just going to add a lot of value over here and only work with the people who understand that because those are the successful people in mindset. They're wealthy up here to get that and make that decision. So you're already helping the screen out who you're going to have to deal with in the public. And you're going to tend to lean toward the people you can help more readily. They get a bigger uh, solution that, that brings them more revenue or more uh, of the result they're seeking or less of the problem they're trying to get rid of because that's what people spend money for. And then it's also going to be easy for you to deliver that. So that would be your sweet spot, right? So I try to focus not only students but the clients on what's the highest and best value of your time and what can you do that you don't have to turn on and off. You could just do it at any time and then let's let you do that thing and then systematize and delegate everything else. Right on. Yep. And I mean, a lot of people got to change the relationship that they have with money. And I think it's kind of like the way that people value themselves, right? What, what people are willing to pay for training, for education, uh, and what people think about paying or, or someone asking for money really, I think, has a lot to do with how they value themselves. Because if you really value yourself and you're, if you're committed and, and you're taking it seriously, the pursuit of freedom, the pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of excellence, um, then sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is to, to make that commitment. Can you talk? Well, if, you, if you made me an offer, let's say you make me an offer and it's $5,000 and I don't have that. And I say, your price is too high. I haven't even looked at your product yet. This has nothing to do with your product that you just offered me. It tells you about my cash flow situation and my scarcity of mindset, not to be able to see, oh, if I buy John's thing for five grand and it helps me make, helps me make 25 grand this year, it pays for itself five times over right? That's the wealthy mentality where you bootstrap and, and talk yourself forward instead of talking yourself into scarcity and quiet desperation. Go ahead with your question. Yeah. I find a lot of people, they're almost looking for reasons for something not to work. I've so seen that so much with cryptocurrency. They're not like, wow, this seems like there's a lot of potential here. I have some reservations, but I see how it could work. Instead, they're like, let me point out the re all the reasons why it can't work, or I've read this article or this one. I think oftentimes it's because they feel like they missed the boat. So now they they're beating themselves up. So they don't want to admit that it's it's good and valuable. Um, no, but the point is like the, the point at which you know that you'll be successful is the point which you're 100 percent confident you won't quit on yourself during yeah. any given endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. The persistence is absolutely critical. That's and the differentiator. People are too soft and they quit on themselves. They have negative self-talk. They weigh themselves down with baggage they don't need on that journey. But if they just make it through that, they can be like these people that they see on the other side of that, that struggle or turmoil or uh, challenge or obstacle. Let me ask you this. One of the things I've always pondered since like the early 9-11 truth hmm. days, it's like, what is it about a person? What is it that's unique about some people that enables them to question the status quo or the establishment narrative? Because there's many people... Like I went to government school, right? Um, but I was Me able too. to see through the veil very early on. Uh, my 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 brother did too. He went to government school, but we you know we had the same environment, so I guess we ended up in a very similar spot as far as seeing what's going on. But there are some people that they'll literally go through mental gymnastics to not challenge the status quo or not allow themselves to believe anything other than they hear on mainstream media or they learned in the history books. Do you think that there's some intrinsic qualities about a human being that perhaps is encoded in their DNA? Or do you think it's possible with the right information or the right conversation or the right communication with that person uh, for anyone to quote unquote, wake up or be red pilled? 
I don't think it's genetic. And I think if it is genetic, then they put it there and they can, repl- they can remove it with it. You know, if they put it there into their genes with habit, somehow they could remove it equally. Right. So it's, it's a struggle because without seeing and having the comparison and contrast when you're around a whole bunch of people who are not trying to excel or exceed their limitations today to be bigger tomorrow than they were. The, I always compare myself to my yester self. I don't compare myself to other people. They're not in the same situation, but I do compare myself to myself yesterday. And I know I've learned so much today that I couldn't have been that smart yesterday. Despite what I thought yesterday, I learned so much today that I just try to keep it real and keep that pace. Because like I said, it's it's a super marathon. So since it's not genetic in my observation, it comes down to the the behavior and the programming and the, the things that we've been through up to this point. Being able to delve into that and come out the other side is difficult for some people because they have a fear of the unknown. They have a fear of being confused or, you know, awkward or, you know, taking on new things, but that's what learning is. Every learning experience is awkward at the beginning. And the more you learn, the easier it gets. It's, it's like learning, uh, you know, a new skill physically, only you're doing it mentally. So it was awkward learning to ride a bike and a bike doesn't look like a lot of fun till you see people riding it. But once you start doing it and have that skill and have that balance internally, you can go a lot further than you can just on your two feet, right? So it's like a force multiplier. So getting into ourselves and being able to come out the other side on a question with more certainty is going to be something that's embraced by more people if they have a method to do that, right? So if I say some idea that's challenging to your beliefs, but I'm like, here's how to go and get some certainty for yourself. Here's the book, the page, you know, the quote, whatever, and check it out for yourself. Now I'm putting your freedom back on your side. You have choice. You have the choice to ignore or the choice to explore. The only war that's ever gone and gone gone on in human history is the war to suppress consciousness and it's waged against those seeking to express consciousness, the thinkers and the artists and the learners. That's a threat to the status quo. It always has been. And selectively, the status quo will use some artists and some learners and advertise them to you, but they're not really showing you the people that are out there making the difference for freedom over the time. Uh, they don't, you know, it's not advertised that much in our society that Thomas Paine's or Etienne Delabuetti's or uh, Lysander Spooner's, you know, these ideas, you kind of have to get off the beaten path to find these thinkers, right? Uh, to find, uh, you know, these discourses on servitude and other ways that we're bound into a system through our own non-thinking, which gets back to the point. Most people are controlled by that stimulus reaction because they assume that what they've been taught is true. And that's why they have to be very certain because to open up that can of worms and say, okay, I don't know what's going on. Like I said, it took me years of asking questions and I didn't have a formalized method, but I was well-schooled academically. And I took the pre-LSAT test and scored in a 99th percentile. So I could think my way out of a paper bag, you know, and, and learn how to look stuff up and learn new definitions and put it together. So I was prepared for the intellectual journey of uh, my history and sense of who runs the world and how things work being challenged. Most other people aren't, and they don't have the time or the wherewithal or the inclination or the aptitude to do all the stuff that I did, but they don't have to. Now they have the internet. Now they can just dial up some James Corbett and be like, what is it about this Klaus Schwab guy or Bill Gates? You know, there's other people like us who have been making artifacts to help people understand exactly what's going on today. Cause none of us thought that this was too far off. If you read their documents for the past 20 years, you're like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And now you're like, they're making their move and they're scared. The globalists are scared because any little invention, any little discovery, any little meme, could so easily upset. So they're they're going for the end game to control fertilization in individuals to make sure you have a robot between them and you. Uh, all these sort of things are being unfolded through the Great Reset. They want a brain chip so they can turn you off if you get too feisty. All these things are part of their plan for our future. But I would have to make the observation: we can't battle that plan. Broke. We can't can't do it. So we have to learn how to transmit high levels of value that bring everybody else in the situation upward, like be the tide that raises all ships, like I said, right? So it's not about like a point product. Let's let's do the solution. The solution is get people thinking and empower them to do whatever they want and ha- have let freedom in that chaos of logic and reason being manifested through people's actions be the real challenge, right? So it's going to have to be a decentralized, unplanned, let's just put the tools that get it done out there and see what people do with them. And that's 
uh, 85% of what I do during the week. And then 15% is talking about history on Grand Theft World. Right on, right on. Well said. Um, now, I shared the links in the comments. They're also there in the description on Facebook and YouTube uh, for the autonomy course. And I've been exposed to it myself. I'm a part of it. And I can't express how valuable I find it to be. It's so much information for someone. It's, it's geared towards folks that feel as though they can do better in life and that they are not living up to their full potential. And Richard and the community that he's brought together definitely uh, spend a lot of time and a lot of resources in helping you to get closer to that full potential. And I think we all strive towards that and we probably never will reach our full potential, which is okay. It's about the journey, not the destination. So again, I, I highly recommend it to folks that are looking to improve their life in a variety of different areas and especially wealth and income and finances and sales and marketing. Now you but also-, also just peace of mind, man. You know, uh, there's been 500 students that have gone through there. And I wouldn't say like the thing that people want is more. They want more peace of mind, which comes with confidence and competence in their actions, turning out to have results that they find pleasing. That's it. They can use that to earn money or they can use that to bridge gaps and family crevasses from communication over political issues. Right. It's all the same problem solving process. And once they get that, then it's like a Swiss Army knife for life that you're using everywhere every day. Right. But eventually the goal is, yeah, you're going to be living your potential like, you know, and that's probably going to mean sharing some of what you learned out there. One of the first things that we did for Autonomy Unlimited was, you know, Joshua had said, hey, uh, Derek Rose has this really great book, The Holistic Self-Assessment. And I think it should be a course and that people would get a lot more out of it with the interactive dynamic aspect of going through it together. And he was right. And then from there, there's a lot of other people who said, well, Derek's books, of course, and I, I think my readers and my audience would need something like that. And I think that's another layer of empowering each other is being able to help you guys encapsulate your value and ideas and get it out to not just your audience, but then we have something to cross pollinate across all these audiences in the realms of solutions, whether it's homeschooling or critical thinking or like, uh, you know, all the 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 buffet that's in the autonomy course or you know what are your rights and how do you assert them these are all or how to make communities right you've got freedom cells we have uh we just produced Stefan verstappen's uh, how to create communities and it has to do with the mutual aid societies and all the levels of internal structure that you need to make them have tensegrity to have the integrity that can withstand the load of today's unknowns in the world, right? So all the things that I'm involved with during the week, all the clients that we have and focus on, I see you guys as all having synergistic solutions, right? Like the same people that are reading uh, Eddie and Delabuetti Squared's Government, the Biggest Scam in History, those people are probably also interested in freedom cells and who else around me knows this and what can we do about this and how do we organize effectively and maybe make a mutual aid society so we can push back. But we're not going to be able to do that from the place that we've all received the message that there's this going on. We have to rise up to it. We have to grow into it. We have to mature. And if you look at what other generations that came before us had to do to defend freedom, very little is being asked. Too little is being asked of our generation, I think. And I think it's the least we can do as entrepreneurs to say the only reason we have entrepreneurism is because it's overarching freedom. And right now it's in more threat than it ever has been in history. So if we don't use entrepreneurism to save freedom, like what was the, the American Revolution about? Who funded that on our side? We know where the British money was coming from to crush the rebellion. Who were the individual storekeepers and business owners who helped bring that to life so that that resistance from King George, the mad King George, could be uh, done back in the day? So I think what we're doing is a completely natural immune system reaction on the side of freedom in the face of despotism and tyranny. Yep. I've been feeling super optimistic about our prospects. There's just so much opportunity out there and so many great people with so many awesome ideas and skills. Um, speaking of skills, you guys have this ebook that you like to share. It's absolutely free. That has 19 skills that you weren't taught in government school. Can you share some of those skills? Which, uh, which of the 19 you find to be the most valuable and, and how people can get started on implementing those skills and learning. Yeah. I mean, 
so this was a slide. This was one slide in a six hour presentation that uh, my marketing team was like, if you just took that one slide and we all told you how we found those things valuable over the season, we could make what we call a lead magnet. It's a piece of value that introduces what we do and we exchange it for the currency of your email address. You can, unsus- you can unsubscribe at any time. But once you get that PDF, you got this mini book to success, you might not read it. So then we're going to send you the audio version uh, and the video version. So we're going to take away all your excuses. Now you know that these skills exist. You might say, I need some of these skills. Where are you going to get them? Well, then we'll send you a couple other emails and you can check out our obstacle course. It's uh, a way of self-defining whether or not autonomy could be hugely valuable for you or not. And it's a way where we weed out the people who have victim mentality and entitlement and other things that are going to automatically keep them away from successful. It's going to polarize them against being successful. So we don't let people like that even get close to the course. What you see on the other side of the obstacle course, oh, now we have highly qualified, motivated, organized people who want to make breakthroughs and succession like systematically. Those are good people to work with. And that's how people actually get into the course. Right on. All right, cool. All right, we're coming up on the end of our time here. So I'm just going to let you have the floor and share anything that you want. And uh, we have all the links to autonomy, to the obstacle course that you shared about, and to the 19 skills. And I just want to say one of the reasons why I wanted to get involved with autonomy was uh, was to watch. Uh, I knew that you had done a lot of cool stuff in the past and that you'd put something pretty, pretty fantastic together. And, um, I'm just impressed with the whole team and how y'all work together and the discord and Joshua is absolutely amazing, incredibly talented. And I personally, I'm in my entrepreneurial journey. I have three businesses now. One of them is just in startup phase, but I've used y'all's talent quite a bit and it's been pretty, pretty. And then we taught you how to pretty much be autonomous. So you're not tethered to us with a bill for life, right? You're doing all right. You got a lot of good projects going on. You're, you're who I use when I say you need to learn how to talk yourself into things instead of out of things. I said, you go follow John Bush. He knows how to talk himself into, you know, productive activities instead of getting distracted, man. You're very focused. Um, all right. So out of autonomy, you've got all these super qualified people either to get a raise, get a job, start their own business, grow their own business. Some of those students, though, they don't know what they want to do yet. So they're refining their high value skill set. Some of them become autonomy interns or apprentices. We would use those apprentices or interns on pro bono accounts. On our VIP, uh, where clients pay for accounts, you get autonomy graduates that are professionals in that area, whether it's copywriting or marketing or any of the, the other elements of the, the, the tech stack from creating your offer on the web and connecting it to the payment gateway where you get paid. We have people to facilitate that entire process, shadow hosting, customer service, right? So the idea was the things that I saw blocking most entrepreneurs from making their ideas into reality was uh, cash flow. And not knowing how to establish 20 different relationships with 20 different vendors to get this tech stack where they don't talk to each other and you're supposed to make it all work before it goes out of business, which is practically impossible, right? That would lead to you going out of business and then add that to nine out of 10 businesses are going to go out of business because they don't know how to make an offer that pays off enough fast enough and rings the cash register enough to stay in business. So those two things spell disaster for most people trying to start a business. So if Autonomy Unlimited the digital marketing and consulting agency can be a one-stop shop for freedom-oriented entrepreneurs to say, what's the thing you do best? Let's have you do that. Teach and distribute your wisdom and let us capture that, present it, distribute it, create the payment gateways, take all these other excuses out of your way. And what you're left with is you deliver value, value goes into your bank account, and that makes people go thumbs up. So I've had some people we've worked with that were real skeptical and they're their eyes are open now, but it took a longer time. I had other people like yourself who were already in high speed and it's like, we can add turbo boost pretty quickly and you can make large amounts of money in a short time because you have an offer and it's about marketing. This is what marketing is. It's a force magnifier. It's an amplifier. And it's the way of running our own casino where you're placing bets on yourself. You have high degrees of certainty. You can do the AB testing and find out what works or you can outsource that to us. And we do all that for you and just give you reports every week on how it's going, right? So I wanted to, A, give some of the graduates a place where they can practice their skills and be independent until they learn how to fly and have you know their own business out there. They at least know how to make an offer and get paid for skills that are in the middle of this tech stack. And there's trillions of dollars being transacted every day on the internet from people buying and selling. 
it's a website with a headline and a call to action and some info about the product and email autoresponder and all these other mechanics that facilitate that. And if your skill set intersects with that, there's a huge market. Like today's one of the easiest day days in history to get a job doing any of these things out there. Right. So making my students and graduates the best prepared to intersect with those opportunities gives them a severe advantage on anyone else attempting to like put their resume in and get a job. So Autonomy Unlimited is one of the, the projects I'm most proud of because we get to help so many of uh, our fellow friends and colleagues in the freedom movement go to the next level. And then what I do for hobby time is uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on Sunday nights. I host Grand Theft World podcast from this studio. We break down the news of the week. We add uh, history and context and deep dives into the artifacts. And uh, we give people a digestible experience. Uh, it's non-toxic by filtering out the mainstream media poison. There you go. Right on. Good Grand stuff. Theftworld.com. Busy man. Super effective. Doing it. You're good at what you do. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us here on the Live Free Now show. And yeah, folks, I've, I've worked with the marketing company. I've done some of the autonomy course, and I can't recommend it enough. So follow the links that we have there in the show description, and you definitely will not be disappointed. In fact, you'll probably be blown away at, at what they have to offer. So thank you so much, Richard. I really appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks, John, for poking a hole in your schedule. And uh, thank you for everyone listening. Talk to you soon. Peace. All right. Take care. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Richard Grove of Autonomy the Grand Theft World podcast, an autonomy there, got the cup and the mug, super excited uh, to be uh, working with him on all this stuff, and and he's just doing a great job, so if if you're looking for more skills in your life, you're looking to level up, if you're looking for that peace of mind, if you're looking to increase your cash flow or make some big changes in your life, I definitely recommend checking out everything that they have to offer in the autonomy universe. All right, this has been the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. We'll talk to you next time.